Hello, friends. This is Jason Gerber, host of From the Land. I wanted to pop in real quick before we start the show because we hit some technical difficulties before recording the final segment that warrant some explaining. Just as we were starting to record, my power went out, I lost Wi-Fi, and we needed to finish most of the episode with me in the dark and on my phone. While the sound quality is not there at the end, we did have our final Ted Lasso talk, and it was too much fun to cut just because I sound like I'm talking through a tin can. So, apologies for that, and we hope you enjoy our Lasso send-off. Have a great week. Here's the show. From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we have one of the most interesting shows we have ever done. We start in the land talking Guardians winning baseball. On the road, we visit the NBA Finals, check in on our favorite college softball teams, and take some hot shot summer takes around the sports world. Off the field, we close the show with a farewell to one of our favorites. Before it's all done, guests will be traded and electricity may not cooperate, but we're going to have a great time. I am joined tonight by three of the best ever. My co-host, Phil Denko, is here right now. My co-host, Chuck Rambaldo, will be here when he's good and ready and in honor of our 125th episode, we have the return of the Mac. Tommy, the Iceman Burke, is back on the show. Fellas, it's been a long time since the three of us recorded episode one. Um, do you guys remember each other? <laughs> <laughs> he looks familiar. Yeah, yeah vaguely. I, I, you know, that was years ago, but yeah. Hmm. Phil's aged well since I've seen him. <laughs> As have you, Berkey. Yes, Looking thank you. <laughs> cooler than the other side of the pillow. Well, it's good to be back after my suspension for HGH. <laughs> um, I was pumping that stuff right into my vocal cords, and they got me. It sounds like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know what they say. You make your uh, day bed in the basement, you have to lay in it, you know? You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. I love it. Going through uh, juicing wow. and basement jokes in the first two minutes of the show. Tommy, yeah. pace is yourself, bad man. And better than yeah. ever, for sure. <laughs> Let's keep rolling while Tommy is hot. We're going to start at home with our Guardians week cap, our look back at last week's Guardians baseball. And, fellas, it finally happened. The guards won more than they lost last week. Guards went into Baltimore and took two of three from the Orioles then traveled to Minnesota and split a four-game set. When it was all said and done, the guards won four this week and only lost three. On the season, guards are 27-32, and 32, three and a half games behind the Twins. Are the Guardians back? <laughs> I'm still going to say no. And what actually scares me about this team right now is they're actually starting to put some runs up, which is not going to be consistent. And now the pitching is inconsistent. This week, what we had horrible start by Beaver. I'm not expecting that to continue, but still, right. it was nice to see that Tristan and Savali came back. Yep. We definitely needed that. Um, they had some nice starts, you know. And our bullpen is just—it's hit or miss right now. 
which is which is dangerous. I mean, that's what we rely on, especially when you have a you know Bieber come out and give up seven runs, which is just not something that happens very often. Right. Thank God. But I, it's nice to see that the bats are kind of getting going a little bit. But I want to see it for longer to see if this is actually, you know, before I can say we're back, I want to see us consistently putting up five, six runs a game instead of the one week where we score five, six runs total. And then the next week, put up a huge, huge amount of runs, which we did this week. Tom made me sad. Phil? <laughs> this is it. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back. <laughs> I said it last week on last week's episode after that one win on, on Sunday that this was our, <laughs> our pivotal point. And we're just going to win weeks going going forward. And here we are, one one for one. We won the week. I actually dove into this a bit earlier. This is the first winning week we've had since March. I didn't even know we played games in March. We started yeah, was the it season, spring training. Nope. <laughs> we started the season with two games in March and then two games in the first two days of April. And we went three and one. And that is the last time we've had a winning week uh, this entire wow. season. But this is it. Here we go. And, and yet, what, we're three and a half games out or something like yeah, that? Yeah, right. right? So We've been I, three and a half games out for like mm, six straight weeks now. Right. If, if we're going to make this season into anything, we, we have to string some winning weeks together. We have to. You know, we can we can get away with some three and three weeks, that kind of thing. But we got to start finding our four and two week in there somewhere. And hopefully, you know, a couple of those uh, per month would be nice, too. I agree with some of what, what Tom said in terms of the, the pitching staff. Like, all right, it's our starting pitching is not the problem. We're getting starting pitching. Bieber's was a blip. Like that's not, that's not going to continue. Right. We're getting good starting pitching. And then all of a sudden you get one, maybe one or two guys out of the bullpen, just come out there again, because it's always a one run game and, or, or zero, zero at that point. And, and you're giving up a run or two. And it was, it was hard to, to get the offense going, but in spurts anyway, in the last seven games, we saw, real professional hitting we saw <laughs> extra base hits yeah. josh bell hit a home run i about fell out of my <laughs> chair uh, and then he went on paternity leave but anyway <laughs> it was, it was, all right it was it was good to see so i i think this is it man we're winning going forward Quantrill's actually the one that worries me more than anything i mean uh, well, I, I don't know what's going on with that right? guy we're gonna get uh, to it is he officially hurt okay yeah yeah kinda. we're getting gotcha. there we're getting there all right sorry there's no need to apologize, Tom. I know you're 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 shaking off the rust, buddy. Yeah, I get I'm off it. my game here. Yeah. I think I'd lean a little bit closer to Tom. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready to trust this because I feel like the guards have broken my heart for a lot of weeks in April and May. But it is nice to see some hitting from guys that you hoped were going to put up big numbers this year and just hadn't been. Uh, and we're going to get to it, but I mean, guys like Naylor and Jimenez had fantastic weeks, and they need that because J Ram can't do this all by himself and there just aren't another uh, a lot of other guys in that lineup that are going to help out so pitching makes me nervous but it's good to see the hitting going in the right direction right now and actually it, i think it has been for a couple of weeks so I, I think we're starting to see that offense come together a little bit hopefully let's move on talk some more pitching we're going to talk rotating doors our look at changes in the guard starting rotation during the last week cal quantrill Went on the 10-day IL this week after two straight lousy starts. Do you think he's really hurt, or does he just stink? He stinks. <laughs> yeah, I think inflammation in his shoulder is a way of saying he yeah. stinks. He needs yeah. to, yeah. He needs to yeah. get shit straight. Yeah. I think the coaches may have told him he had inflammation in his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, right. You know uh, what you have. Shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what you got, buddy. And uh, we're going to see you in a little while. Maybe you can come back from this. It's crazy because he had such a good year last year. I was yeah. you know, obviously expecting a lot from him, and it just, it's just it been ugly. And, I, it, you know, 
I guess, okay, let's blame it on injury. Let's hope it is an injury, and then, you know, maybe it does get better when he comes yeah. back. But, again, I'll believe that when I see it. I'm kind of with you. I don't understand. He's another one of those guys a little bit like Karen Cech, who was so good last year and has struggled this year. So maybe it is just an injury thing. I don't know. Karen Cech's the one guy where the pitch clock has ruined a career. Yeah, Because he be. can't play with his hair and the rosin bag for 45 yeah. seconds between yeah. pitches. Aaron Savali and Tristan McKenzie both returned to the rotation this week. Savali went five innings, gave up no runs, had four strikeouts, got zero run support. McKenzie, five innings, one hit, no runs, 10 strikeouts, got zero run support. What's the most important thing for these two guys to do now that they are back? Stabilize the rotation or each hit 20 home runs? (laughs) Uh, I think I'm going to go with the first one. You don't think Tristan has 20 home runs in him? <laughs> I don't know. He's He could be wiry strong, and uh, I'm sure he is, actually. First of all, Savali had to be like, oh, man, this is so great to be back. Um, I lose one nothing. Yeah. yeah. I've been gone, been gone, come back, pitch a gem. It was five innings. It wasn't, a you know, six, seven, whatever innings, but he's got to be like, oh, I love this offense. But yeah, definitely uh we need we need to help with the uh the top five, especially with Quantro coming, you know, going down and to have them both come back and throw really nice outings uh was good to see. So we definitely need help uh there. And then, you know, along with guys like Logan Allen and and you know, some of these guys that we have uh thrown right now, it, it's it's nice to have two guys come back in the same week and like you said, solidify this this rotation. Yeah, it's definitely the the first option to kind of solidify the rotation. I what's interesting though is we've been getting that kind of starting pitching from anyone we've plugged into these roles while in their absence, right? We're getting five and six innings, giving up zero to one run, giving up hardly any hits, even with the 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 young guys coming in there. So maybe with a guy like Savali and McKenzie, as they get stretched out, maybe you're starting to see more of like a six and seven inning uh performance out of those guys uh on a routine basis, which would be great. We should have the stat department look into this. I, I can't imagine there's a team in Major League Baseball that's getting better quality starts out of the starting rotation, no matter what the guy's name is that they trot out there. I mean, that, it seems like after five innings of almost every game, we're either down a run, up a run, or it's zero zero. You, you know, um, so I, I think these guys, though, being that they're not the young rookies, they're gonna they're gonna get lengthened out, and as the season goes on, hopefully be able to do this on a consistent basis where you kind of worry about a Bybee or a Logan Allen, like what, what are they going to be like in August and September just because they've never been there before. So this was huge this week to get those two guys back and see performances like that. How would you feel about a rotation that is McKenzie, Bybee, Allen, Savali, and maybe it's interchanged Quantrill and Gaddis at the end? You didn't say Beaver. That's right. I, I'd feel really good about it, and here's why. Because I'm that, getting to I'm it. Assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming that means we took Shane Bieber and and traded him for a major league hitter yes. that can play, I don't know, one of the corner outfield positions again. Here we are having this same issue that we've had mm-hmm. last year, right? So if we get if we trade Bieber for an immediate starter that's going to come out there and be that guy that hits 20-plus home runs in the middle of our lineup – uh, then I'm all for that starting rotation because I, I think what you just mentioned there, Gerbs, I think that's the future of this team, and that doesn't decrease their window of being a winning team. It's just, all right, Bieber's the next guy up. 
kind of like Kluber was kind of like all these guys were in the past. Like he's our trade bait, right? But you got to get something back that, that helps this team immediately. Yeah. I think for once we actually have to make this move earlier than we ever have. And I would love to see that. Um, I've been thinking about that for a while, actually, that, and we still have some more young kids. There's no shortage of starting pitching coming through the pipeline. Yeah. Like Xavier Curry is yeah. in the bullpen, but you could, he's a starter. Yeah. There's that, what is it? Cody Morris. Yeah. Is yeah. another guy that got yeah. hurt coming mm-hmm. out of spring training. So you're right. Like mm-hmm. that, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, do you feel comfortable with the rotation as it would be if we traded Beaver? I do. And actually, I wouldn't even be that against throwing Savali in there too. If we, if we needed to, to make it better. Oh, if we get Savali for sure. Well, that's, that's the thing. Savali. Yeah. He had a good outing, but how good has he really been for a while now? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe let him have like one, hopefully have one more good outing. People are like, Oh, he looks really good. And then yeah, throw him in and get something, you know, yeah, solid, uh, maybe get Griffey bonds and, uh, <laughs> Dosa and not really have to give up that much. No. So I, yeah, I'm definitely comfortable with making those moves because a lot of times we wait too long. And then we really don't get that much for these guys. Let's go ahead and make the move now. That was actually my next question. Assuming Bieber gets moved this year, because I don't see any way he doesn't. He's not re-signing. He's going to get a huge deal. So he's not going to be back. They need to move him this season, even if he is their best pitcher. So when do you do it? Like, when is the right time to make the move? And Tommy, you're saying as soon as possible. I am. Don't even wait to the trade deadline. Wait for the all-star break, any of that, I would say if there's a deal that's available where you're getting a great, awesome stick, because I love a good stick. If we can get a good one, then uh, I say make the moves now and and use some of these kids that can pitch. If the move's coming this year, and I think his value decreases clearly as we get past the trade deadline of this season, you know, it's still okay in the off season, but if he's on the roster starting next year, all of a sudden, like now you're, you're putting yourself in a position where you don't have much, much yeah. power. So I, I think as soon as possible would be great. I wonder though, in, in the way, in the landscape of major league baseball, the only teams that are probably dealing at this stage are teams that are guaranteed postseason appearances, right? So you're talking about your Dodgers, your Yankees, these kind of yeah. teams, which is fine because they probably also have a, a plethora of major league bats that they could trade us. Um, so I, maybe you're talking to teams like that. Mookie Betts comes to mind. I yeah, mean, I right. feel like yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I feel, yeah. Judge. Bieber and Savali. <laughs> we'll throw in Plesak too. Aaron for... Rudge roaming, <laughs> roaming left field or right field. So I think, you know, those teams, if they're, if they're talking now, then great. I think the deal can happen as soon as possible. If not, I still think you're going to start to see his value kind of peak as the trade deadline approaches, because then there's teams that know they're kind of in the hunt, right? Like some other teams that might have some talent they could get rid of. So I don't know as soon as possible, if it's, it's one of those mammoth teams that can just give up whatever they want. Uh, But if not, I I think, I think by the trade deadline, you move this guy, you get a bat, assuming we're still in the race and we, we should be in in our division. You know, we've mentioned this in the past. They don't lose these kind of trades. And Burke brings up an interesting point too. Maybe they throw some other people in it so that you get that major league baseball player as the headliner, but you're also getting a couple prospects to make the deal work. And that's kind of what the guardians do, right? Like we'll find, all right, give us our left fielder or our right fielder. And you know, what we don't need as middle infielders, but here's two middle infielders that'll play in the, in double yeah. a, you know, something yeah. like that. So I don't know, uh, sooner the better, I suppose. I think it's probably sometime around the break when teams are kind of starting to figure out like 
if you're not one of those guaranteed slots, like teams that are like, hey, we got a shot, we're playing really well, we're one arm away from being able to compete, but we want the value of getting the guy for the entire second half of the season, not just after the after the trade deadline or at the trade deadline or something like that. But I think they move him this year, and I think the fact that all of these young guys are pitching so well actually makes it easy for them to do it uh, and, and to move them along and, and get a bat. It could be Bieber and Josh Bell. I'd make yeah. that trade mm-hmm. today right <laughs> uh, for Mookie Betts, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough pitching talk. Let's uh, let's talk some hitting. Let's give out our guardian good wood of the week. And this is actually going to be tough this week. There were a lot of big swinging sticks for the guards during <laughs> this past week. So here are your options or throw in one if you'd like. Uh, Will Birdman Brennan. Hit 524, 11 hits, a home run, and four RBIs last week. Andres Jimenez, good to see you. Hit 393, (laughs) 11 hits, three doubles, five RBIs. Next one, Josh Naylor. Hit 409, had a home run, had nine RBIs. Something crazy, like in the last three weeks, he has 22 RBIs or something like that. He's just killing the ball right now. Uh, Last one, Gabriel Arias. Hit 280, had a home run. Had four walks. I like to give four options, and he was the <laughs> next one. So, who's your guardian Goodwood of the week? I will say for the future, though, I, I think Arias is going to be a very good player. He, yeah. I like, I just like the way he is at the plate. I like that he can play multiple positions and solid player. I'm not giving him the award this week, but he's hitting really well yeah. for what you expect him to do this season, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he's not getting the Goodwood this week, but no, I mean, he's, but I but I, I just like, I, I think him. he's yeah. got a good future. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it to uh, to Naylor this week. Those nine RBIs, six of them did come in one game, but he's still he's just been mashing <laughs> lately, and he's he is he's just one of those guys. He always has these games that pop up where it's like randomly five six rbis in one game which is it's awesome to see he just needs to figure out hitting against lefties but i would give it to him this week i think you know he definitely deserves it yeah Naylor's a great option i love to see what he's doing in the middle of that lineup finally but i'm gonna give mine to jimenez this week he had two or more hits in every single game until today and his hit today was a triple and it was it was timely it was it won us the game pretty much i'll give it to jimenez because he raised his batting average something like 28 points in the last few weeks which is hard to do (laughs) when you're in june uh which goes to show you how poorly he was hitting coming into last week man this guy that's what we saw out of him last year and and you know, to Burke's point where a bunch of Naylor stats came in one game, him and his kind of spread it out. He was very consistent over those last uh, seven days. So I'm going to give him the award, but I'd be remiss if I didn't give an honorable mention mm. to our boy. Josh Bell hit a home run. Yeah. It went out of the park and everything. It was cool. Really? Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> and he did it um, before the calendar turned from May to June. So, so he got he, one he, and now May. he had... <laughs> He had more home runs in May than any of us, uh, which before then we were all tied. (laughs) I'm going to give it to Naylor as well, just because the hit he had today to drive in uh, what was at that point, I think the game tying run uh, was a blast. And it was one of those that as soon as it left his bat, you knew he had crushed it. And but for Minnesota, having a 50-foot wall in right field. I don't understand who designed that (laughs) stupid stadium. But for that stupid wall, which I guess is the opposite of the stupid wall in Yankee Stadium, but other than it it would have been gone. 
and it would have been gone by a fair distance, probably pretty much anywhere. He absolutely crushed that ball. So Naylor gets my good wood for the week. All right, let's look ahead to the coming week. Guards start on Tuesday with the Red Sox in town for three, followed by the Astros coming to the land for a three-game weekend set. Red Sox are in last place in the East, but would be tied for first in the Central. Astros are in second in the West, but would have a commanding lead in the Central. What is a fair expectation for the guards this coming week? Oh God! I just said we're going to win every week, and now we're we're these six games. This is a tough stretch. So I I think a fair expectation would be three and three. They're all at home. Let's let's get through this week even, Stephen. To borrow a phrase from Chuck, but. I'm hoping for four and two, uh, but I think realistically three and three would be a good week. I'm going to say we're going to go into this week with some momentum, and I'm going to go for the four and two. Oh. Boston, I mean, they're really not that good of a team, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, they're they're okay, but they're, they're pitching steps, nothing to be that afraid of, and I think we can continue to hit. Obviously, Houston is always a struggle for us, but they are for pretty much every team. Yeah. But it's, it seems like we see those uniforms, and uh, we just can't beat them. But I, I think we'll uh, be at home. Hopefully we can put some uh, asses in the seats this week and uh, get the crowd going and get the offense going. Uh, so I'm going to go four and two. This almost never happens where I am like the least enthusiastic or optimistic person, but this feels like a two and four week. I thought you were going to say oh and six. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not that bad. No, I, it just feels like they could win one game in each of these series and lose the other two and you'd still kind of think like gosh i don't know they didn't play that badly but they're just maybe not playing as well as these other teams are right now and it's just or the offense gets you where you have another game where you lose one to nothing can i try to convince you otherwise based on this no. past week come on you're an attorney i don't get my, <laughs> my argument you had your chance two and four and then somehow we're one and a half games out instead of three yeah right games. no yeah. Well, my, yeah, my no, thought that was could happen <laughs> like i we're playing two very good teams this coming week but the week we just got through baltimore is better than boston and we yes. took two or three from them on the road all yeah. right uh minnesota and boston are about the same and we split with minnesota so the tough team this week might be Houston. Like, can we can we take two of three from Boston like we did Baltimore and then see what happens against the Astros? I guess we'll see. I would actually say that maybe Minnesota is better than Boston because Minnesota's yeah. pitching yeah. was really good. Like, their starting they a, pitching is – They got a dude that is, throws 105. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's stupid. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I still think it's going to be an under 500 week, but Danko makes some solid points, and I love that. So – Tommy, I'm not sure if you remember this, but what happens now is we take a break, we come back, we head out on the road, we talk some NBA Finals. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road. We'll start with the NBA Finals. Denver Nuggets took game one in commanding fashion with a 104-93 win that didn't really feel that close. But the Miami Heat, is the heat and so this series is probably still far from over game two is going on as we record we're in the third quarter it's a pretty tight game right now it's certainly not one that's been decided uh looking at that game one Nikola Jokic is averaging a triple double in the playoffs and in game one he had 27 points 10 rebounds and 14 assists on the other side of things the Miami Heat had only two free throws in the game and they shot about 30% from three. So 
What was the key to the Nuggets win in game one? Was it Joker's triple-double, heat bricklaying, or was it just the altitude of being in Denver? Oh, it's got to be the altitude, right? I did not realize the Heat only took two free throws in the entire game. Yeah. Is there an is there an ongoing investigation regarding that? That seems <laughs> impossible. You know, Jokic, he does what Jokic does. You you got to assume that that dude's giving you a triple double every night. Where where the Heat failed in Game One, at least just looking at it statistically, is Jimmy Butler. I think was held to like thirteen points. They're not going to win games against the, this Denver Nuggets team if Jimmy Butler isn't scoring at least 25 or more. Him not scoring, them only taking two free throws all night. Jeez, uh, that seems to be the problem there. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, them two free throws over the course of an NBA game is insane. But also, according to my closed captioning, Jokic alone shot 113 free throws the other night. I think that probably was the key to the game. I think that's a typo. Yeah, I think it might have been. To me, I guess, I guess that just means they weren't attacking the hole or Denver's defense is just that amazing. So either they need to start attacking and getting some getting to the free throw line or the, Butler better start putting, putting a game together. Because, yeah, him not scoring, as Phil said, he's the key to this team for sure. Um, again, we thought Tyler Harrell would be back. He's not. So, I mean, Butler makes this team go. Um, Adebayo is obviously a solid player, but if if Butler's going to be scoring the teens, they're not going to win. They'll be, they'll get swept if that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, it might be the altitude. It might just be that the Heat were gassed from the series against the Celtics, but I think it had a lot more to do with how poorly they played because Jokic is going to get his triple-double. Uh, that's just what's going to happen, and I still think the Heat can win games even if that is happening but they got to play so much better. And it's, it looked like that game was one of those that you see sometimes in the NBA now where these teams rely so heavily on the three when they're not going in and they start to fall behind, they just start shooting more of them. And so they're not going to the rim anymore. That's why they're not getting fouls, but they're not making anything either. And that's how you get your ass kicked in the NBA. If you're cold from three and you just keep chucking, uh, you're going to lose a game. And I think that's what that's what happened to the Heat in game one. So they look a lot better tonight. The shooting is definitely better. Jimmy Butler is definitely better. Jokic is still doing what Jokic does. Are the Heat stealing this game too tonight? No, I don't think so. I think uh, Denver will pull away at some point. I actually think the key to this series in a lot of ways is Jamal Murray. He puts up huge numbers. And honestly, like you said, Jokic is going to get his numbers. So you deal with that. Then you got to really put your time and effort into taking away guys like Jamal Murray and those secondary guys, and then hope that, you know, obviously Butler goes off and some other guys have some good games. I just don't think Adebayo has been as good uh, since earlier on in the playoffs. But of course, it's that's going to be the case. They're going against teams that are just better and play better, yeah. play better defense. I don't think they're going to come, well, not come back. I mean, they're only down by five at the moment. But I think eventually, like I said, I think Denver will, will pull away. I think Denver wins tonight, and there's no such thing as moral victories in, in professional sports, and certainly not in the finals, right? But I think maybe Miami learns a thing or two from this game. They're in it. I don't think they win it tonight. Uh, but again, like it's the NBA. So until until a home team loses, it's not really a big deal, right? Uh, they're playing much better. They've taken four times as many free throws already to this point in the game <laughs> as, as, as in game one. So really got, getting to the rim. Yeah, wow. Yeah. They got that going for it. They're obviously in attack um, mode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, they keep it close probably right up until the end, but I think Denver, Denver still takes it. Uh, Jokic is scoring a ton tonight. 
and and again, they're actually getting more. Denver's getting more scoring off their bench than they're used to. They're still only going three deep, but each of those guys are are toying with double digits as well. So I think Denver comes out on top, but I'm interested to see what Miami does in the next two games. This Miami team is so hard to beat, and they're they're so well coached, and they're so tough. I it would not surprise me at all if they could get a win like this in the first two games and, and like take away that home court advantage, but they're keeping it close, but it doesn't feel like they're really a threat to Denver right now uh, in this building tonight. So I, I'm with you guys. I think Denver is still going to win this game and then we'll really see what happens if, if Miami can come back and get a win in game three uh, down in South beach. But for tonight, I have a feeling the Nuggets are still pulling this out. We'll see. We might still be talking when it ends, and we'll, we'll be able to find out whether we were right or we were wrong. That'd be great. All right, but we're going to move on from the NBA, talk some college softball World Series. It is in full swing, and it has been a blast all week. I'm sure you guys have both been watching a lot of softball this week. Mm-hmm. What change from softball should the major leagues consider implementing next season? First thing, the run rule. A game is called when any team is up by eight or more after the fifth inning. Next one, softball players do this thing sometimes where as the pitch is coming in, they take a couple steps forward and then they slap the ball the other way. I'd like to see that happen more in baseball. No more leadoffs off of first base, but you get to start for at first like you're in a runner stands, like you're in like a track meet almost. I think this would really be a good rule for the Guardians since we can't stop anybody from running on us. <laughs> Last one, play with a bigger ball. So which of these changes do you think baseball should implement? You know, what's interesting is, and as much as I like the running game in, in baseball, I, I love stolen bases. I love that. I feel like it's gone too, the pendulum has swung too far now. No catcher has any shot at throwing out any runners with, with the new rules in baseball. So maybe what they do is, pull the runner back a little bit, put them in that, that runner stance. They can't lead yeah. off. And then, and then maybe those stats kind of regress to the mean again, where catchers are actually throwing guys out at second. I mean, guys are stealing third now in, in major league baseball without even a throw attempt on a ball that was thrown 98 miles an hour over the plate. And they, they can't even throw the guy out or attempt it. So maybe that's the way to go. It kind of offsets some of the, the new rules that are working out so well for people that like two hour games. So everybody, <laughs> except for me, I'm going to go with E and uh, move the pitcher's uh, rubber up to uh, 40 feet and see what happens. Games there. will end in an uh, hour. Yeah, <laughs> that pitch was 185 miles an hour. It's amazing. I like it. Um, I debated I like it. between um, it was between playing with a bigger ball or making the base base paths only 60 feet, um, like they are in softball. <laughs> you imagine. In the MLB, you can you can start in that runner's position if you want. You could, I don't think if there's you a rule to. against yeah, it. Right, yeah. even, even with the leadoff, I think it would be fun <laughs> to see a guy go in that runner's position. The dive back might be a little more difficult, but that's probably the reason why they're not doing it. <laughs> uh, getting back a bail out hard. You see a lot more guys getting picked off. Nobody really wants to see that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the games. Uh, our favorite teams are still in. Chuck and Phil picked Florida State. They advanced to the semifinals this week with wins over Oklahoma State and Washington. I picked Stanford, and I'm just going to give Stanford to Tom, too, just so that we <laughs> even things out here, yeah. and because I know he loves, like, California. I do. Uh, so Stanford lost to Oklahoma, then beat Alabama, 
and got a one nothing win over Washington Sunday afternoon to advance. So our semifinals, Oklahoma versus Stanford. Who you got? You think you always have to go with uh, – well, wait, Stanford's my favorite team. You just gave them to me. Yeah. Because I was going to go with Oklahoma because <laughs> they're really, always really good. So you really put me in a bind here at Gerber. Uh, Stanford all the way, obviously. They're going to blow, <laughs> blow out Oklahoma. <laughs> So how does this work in the next round? Because Oklahoma hasn't lost yet, and Stanford has one loss. So they have to beat Oklahoma twice? Probably. To, to advance? Yep. They're going to do it. And I, I'm going I'm to say they're going to do it just because I want you guys to still be in it. <laughs> I'm going with Oklahoma. They look <laughs> yeah. absolutely awesome right <laughs> now. Really, I thought really I wasn't good. allowed to do that. <laughs> Stanford's still my favorite team. But Oklahoma, I guess I'll tell you what. like Oklahoma puts up a lot of runs, but Stanford has that pitcher this Kennedy girl whose ERA is less than one and she was she's been awesome and because it's softball she can throw three more games in the right. next three days yeah. that might be the equalizer but I'm still going with Oklahoma let's put let's put that in the MLB too let's have this uh one pitcher can actually just, just keep throwing the same pitchers <laughs> yeah. until their arms fall off and then you move on to the next guy other semi-final is Florida State versus Tennessee who are you taking well, I got to go with my Seminoles, right? They they can actually lose a game and still still stay in it. So uh, I think they're beating Tennessee. They're gonna they're just gonna win on Monday. They don't they don't need a second game. Uh, I'll go Tennessee just to not agree with Phil. And, and I think uh, is more fun. Than Tennessee's <laughs> yeah, Tennessee's winning tonight. I think they're gonna take that momentum. Um, it's really gonna suck if they lose tonight because then this could be. Uh, no, they already won. I think they just won. They just won. They already won. Oh, did they already yeah. win? Okay. They, won yeah, before, they won before. I wouldn't have said it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I switched over back to the NBA game. I was watching that game, and I switched to NBA. Um, so, yeah, then I'm going to go with Tennessee. I'll go with Tennessee, too. The Seminoles. So, wait, you're, gonna, you're going <laughs> – you guys on. are both going with Tennessee to win twice is what you're That's saying. That's right. That's okay. right. All right, just to be clear. Do your tomahawk chop all you want. They're, uh, they're going down. Tennessee and four. <laughs> Tennessee and four. All right, let's <laughs> let's move off – our conversation about softball, we're going to do some hot shots, quick summer takes from around the world of sports. Nice. In the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins is still out there as a free agent after being cut by the Cardinals. Should the Browns be going after this guy? Yes. Deshaun Watson should uh, convince him to come here, and it would be a great addition. We definitely could use some help at wide receiver. I'm going to agree and say yes, because – we need all the wide receivers we can get in the wide receiver room. It, it seems like we've improved that room, right? But uh, yeah. uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, he's he's not what he once was, but that doesn't mean he wouldn't be the best or second best wide receiver on the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and not to mention, he's got a history with Deshaun Watson, right? Like they mm -hmm. they know each other, and so that that's that's a win. And you know, locally, what I've been hearing all week is the money that the Browns would allocate, and I I. I will never in my life call a radio station on for a sports show. Um, I, I just won't do it. But I, I feel like we've discussed this on the podcast before. Who cares? It's not our money. Yeah, if the right. Haslam's <laughs> want to spend $15 million on DeAndre Hopkins, let them do that, right? Yes. Like yes, that right. should not be the deterrent. If he can fit yeah. under the fake salary cap, let's go get him. Yeah. I'm all for spending other, other people's money. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know what? He was really pissed off too when he got traded away from Deshaun Watson. He was not happy about going to Arizona, so I would think that they'd be able to convince him to come here. I don't know. 
we'll see. It's worth like kicking the tires. I mean, it already seems like it's a pretty crowded wide receiver room. And I'm always a little bit nervous when a team cuts a guy like that. And, and you wonder if they know something the rest of us don't. Maybe he's lost more of a step than we think. But I don't know, man. Like, you give it a shot. And I, I would never be concerned with Jimmy Haslam spending money. I'd be concerned no. about them being able to get him under the cap. But once you're <laughs> under the spend all the money you want, man. Yeah, like, right. I don't care. You seem to have a lot of it. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Let's move on. Talk a little Team USA. Team USA women's basketball won the World Cup this weekend, which is a three-on-three tournament. The men's team finished in second place, getting the silver medal when Jimmer Fredette missed a game-winning shot. Is it time we start using NBA players or maybe players in their 20s for the three-on-three World Cup? <laughs> or maybe just Ice Cube. I mean, what? What is that? We had, there's a uh, Fredette, three... Jimmer Fredette's better than Ice Cube. Oh, did he mess around and get a triple Yeah, did he today? get a triple double? <laughs> Ice Cube's like 60, though. <laughs> um so this, so wait a minute, this is a three on three world cup. So as you advance in this is, will this be an Olympic event, a three on three basketball tournament? This must be some off Olympic events. Oh, like no, world, it might something. be though. It's, but it's like a world, it's like the world yeah. championship championships or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So maybe it will be. So yeah. Like, I, to answer your question though, like, Hey, we are the USA and this is basketball. We should be dominating every country in the world in this sport. So if it's three on three, I don't even think you have to get like current NBA players, maybe guys that just finished their career, get a couple of those guys on this three on three tournament with Jimmer for debt. Um, and uh, I think we could, I think we can win it. Well, I think the biggest disappointment is that we ended up losing to North Korea, but is that <laughs> so maybe we do need to, you know, start getting some of these NBA guys involved. Yeah. Jimmer, Jimmer just couldn't couldn't take those guys out. But honestly, I, I don't even know why this exists. <laughs> <laughs> Men and women, the three on three tournament. But yeah, uh, I actually do like the one though. There, there's a the one with I don't know. There's one with like the uh, Ohio State players that have a team and all that. It, I guess that's the Ice Cube League, maybe or whatever that is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think that's that's kind of fun just to see some of those guys come back and play. But I I, and I really don't understand why basketball is a five on five game and they're coming up with weird world championships of three on three but do they play half court yeah i think this oh, might already be an olympics i sport. would hope so jimmer fredette can't I th run full i think court maybe anymore. this is in part of the world games and not the olympics well that's what i'm I, thinking it's like world games but, right. no i don't i don't really? think that i, I, I we're gonna actually read up on this and we didn't so i'm i'll yeah. i guess well, I'll, I'll all, I, all i read what i read as far as jimmer fredette and then i made the joke <laughs> Because the next thing I did was look yeah. it up and see that he's 34 years old. Yeah. <laughs> they mentioned his name in the first sentence, and that's all we know uh, this whole tournament. Jimmer Fredette's on the team. <laughs> Moving on to something more serious. Let's talk some more baseball. In 2013, about 60% of all pitches thrown in the major leagues were fastballs. That number is now down to only 47% while sliders are up 15% from last year. Are you concerned this is wokeism taking over baseball? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious, actually. I don't even think this is really a question. Uh, it's, it's pretty obvious that the woke are taking over and want some softer pitches coming in. <laughs> you know, they're anti-fastball. Typical of the woke to be <laughs> anti-fastball. So, yeah, that's my take on that. 
I'm not concerned. I consider myself rather, <laughs> rather woke. So um, shocking. Yeah. It's uh, the fastball. The reason I think perhaps, and we've seen this actually with the guardians games here recently against the teams they faced guys are throwing 102 mile an hour sinkers. <laughs> like why <laughs> would you ever throw a fastball? It goes straight. Yeah, really? <laughs> You've got a triple digit sinker. Uh, we've got, you know, class a throws a 99 mile an hour split finger cutter so, or whatever yeah. yeah cutter exactly so i'm not surprised i think uh like in other sports things are becoming ultra specialized and these obviously any pitch with movement is harder for a hitter mm. to put the bat on what's great is that in 20 years a changeup is going to be 105 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. let me let me slow low. it down a little bit from my normal 125 <laughs> especially from 40 feet (laughs) (laughs) move that rubber up that's what she said yeah all right well i would like to thank tom for for taking that question as seriously as i meant it and denko for taking it way too serious (laughs) but uh, with that fellas we are going to close out this segment uh we are going to take our final break we are going to make a perfectly even steven trade the Iceman for the Lebanese Stallion. And then we're going to come back and we're going to say farewell to Ted Lasso. Welcome back. Great news. Late than never. Chuck is here. The off the field segment. Chuck, how you doing? Good, bud. How are you? Hi, Chuck. Fellas. Hey. <laughs> Fellas, welcome to another From the Land TV time. Once again, we are saying goodbye. And this time, we say goodbye to the indomitable Ted Lasso. Apple TV's feel-great comedy came to an end this week after only three seasons. Ted and the AFC Richmond boys went out near the top, earned a promotion to the Champions League. Ted went home. Beard stayed. Danny has two girlfriends, and Rupert has seen better days. There were a lot of things to cover in the final episode. Let's start with some quick hits. I would like to know if you guys think these moments were totally lasso or totally too much from the finale. So first one, the so long farewell song and dance at Lasso's last practice. Totally lasso, totally too much. Totally lasso. On brand. He was trying to, wasn't he trying to teach him a Backstreet Boys dance in oh, yeah. season one or two? Yeah. And that they go out of their way to do this for him. Uh, I think it was totally lasso and probably one of my favorite moments from the episode, to be honest. Yeah, totally lasso. This is not the first time that they were uh, working on a choreographed dance and uh, music scene. And I think, um, the best part, I mean, not the best part of that whole scene. It was a wonderful scene, but the the reaction of everyone after Lasso said that was perfect. Yeah. Like everyone just going nuts. No. Like they had won a championship. <laughs> yeah, totally Lasso. I'll say totally Lasso, but it's really close to the line for me. Like it was a little bit much and I don't know. Three totally Lassos for that one. Next one, Diamond Dog's conversation about things that were perfect. Totally Lasso or totally too much. Oh man, totally lasso because it it was Shawshank, Back to the Future, Jaws, <laughs> Trent's hair, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the other side of the pillow, Billy Billy Joel's album, the Stranger album, whatever. Like yeah. all that stuff. Like this was yeah, this was perfect. Everything was it was teed up for guys our age. So yeah, totally lasso. 
totally lasso and it's not like i can explain it better than phil did but yeah again they gave us a little bit of everything in the finale and uh to get that almost felt like a, a cleaner more wholesome version of stuff you see on letter kenny where they just keep naming stuff off of, but uh, so but yeah totally lasso. i'm with you guys totally lasso even on my second watch, it was hilarious when Beard threw in Back to the Future as one as a perfect movie. <laughs> yeah. Now that I disagree with him, I just think it was funny that he uh, that, that was his choice. So I'm I'm in totally lasso for that one. Next one, Rupert, dressing evil, walking evil, talking evil, acting evil. Totally lasso or totally too much? Maybe totally too much. We already knew he was a jerk. He didn't need the all black. You definitely didn't need what happened on the field, I don't think. Uh, so a little too much for me that we know he's the bad guy. He's constantly been the bad guy. Uh, you didn't need to take it to that length. It's totally too much. And what put it over the top for me was his stupid black trench coat blowing in the wind as yeah. he was walking yes. across the field. I'm like, come on, man. Like, all right, Darth Vader. Like, what? You know, what is happening right now? So totally too much for me. Yeah, I agree. Totally too much. That trench coat was blowing in the wind when he was like walking down the hallway of like <laughs> yeah. the building. Like, why is there wind right there? How is that thing blowing? And he absolutely was Darth Vader-ish the entire time. Yeah. And I think the way you saw that it was too much was that like even Rebecca and Ted, I think, felt bad for him as everybody was like chanting wanker at him. Like they they were the only two people in the entire stadium sympathetic to him, I think. But yeah, they didn't need that. All right, last one. Totally lasso or totally too much. Rebecca selling 49% of the team to Richmond fans. That's totally lasso, right? Like that is, I think that's exactly what she should have done. It's one, she's keeping something that she has now referred to as family, where she only got into it to piss off Rupert. She's keeping it. And the other 49% goes to the fan base, goes to the the crazy guys at May's bar. I mean, that's fantastic. That's uh I, I think that's totally lasso through and through. Totally lasso. And it's not something I saw coming. I really thought that when she said you go, I go, it was it was kind of over, but the way she did it. I'm like that. It's it's pretty brilliant because that doesn't exist. I mean, other than where Green Bay doesn't really exist, where the town, which it means so much to them, owns part of the team. So I loved it. Totally lasso. Let me tell you guys why you're wrong. And this is totally too much. <laughs> a lot of times in major organizations like this, you will require a super majority to make certain decisions, which means you need 75% of the vote to make decisions. Selling 49% is stupid. She should have sold like 15%, charged the same amount, whatever, let the fans buy in. That part's fantastic. This is a bad business move to sell 49%. 15, 20, fine. 49%, way too much. Big mistake by Rebecca. <laughs> Moving on. Talk a little bit about this after the last episode. If this show was always about Ted's goal to get the best version of everybody, what was it that made Ted his best version at the end? It's a great question. One, I don't know. I'm all prepared on the answer. What made, brief? can you phrase that one more time for me again? The theme really is, or Ted's coaching theory is, however you want to put it, that his, his goal is to help his players become the best versions of themselves. And as we said last week, we saw it happening last week where it was happening for everybody. And we had one more episode for it to happen to Ted. 
what had to change in Ted for him to become his best version of himself? I don't know if anything really had to change. You saw him dealing with this stuff throughout the season more heavily in the previous seasons. They kind of abandoned a lot of the heavier storylines in season three, which is okay. I think for him to be okay or the best version of himself, it's it's making sure everyone else around him is better off. He improves their their life and their well-being. He's selfless. Um, that was kind of the theme. He didn't speak much last episode. He didn't speak much. Well, he did speak much last This episode, he didn't speak a whole lot. And I think it's strategic, and this is jaded to say, like, only to try to make this universe exist without Ted Lasso actually in it with the other characters. I think that's the way it was set up towards the end. So for me, it's always been about him helping other people reach their best self, and that fulfills him. That's at least how I interpret his character, and I always have. Helping others helps him more, and I think his job was done. I mean, it was it was pretty much done. Everybody there, happy ending, and, and he got to go home, and a little ambiguous on his ending, but still, good for him. It's a really good question. I think, um, you know, we have to kind of go back to what, and, and I don't know that we know the answer to this from even the very first season, like what ultimately enticed Ted to take this job knowing full well he was leaving his son behind? Maybe his run was over in college football or he needed a break or whatever it was, right? But what was so enticing about this job that would say, I'm going to leave my little boy and see him a couple times a year and then on FaceTime? Because that's not really Ted-like, right? Like that's not Ted-like at all. And I think it comes back to, we, we dove into a little bit with, with his, the, the psychology of Ted Lasso when, when he was talking to the doc and those kind of things, like he was kind of running away, right? He was running away from things that he was terrified of uh, and the same thing that he blamed his dad for doing. So how did this become the best version of Ted? I guess, all right, he found himself in London. He didn't know why he was there anymore. And and maybe he took the job early on. I don't think it was money. It clearly wasn't money that could keep him there. You, you know, he was, it didn't matter because he realized like he's got a son at home. His son needs him. He abandoned his son in some way, not nearly like his own father did, but he still abandoned his son in some way. So Maybe the best version of Ted was realizing, hey, you know what? This was an amazing growth opportunity, an amazing experience looking back at it. But there's nothing that Rebecca could throw at me that's going to keep me in England right now because I got to get back to Henry. That's And whatever that means, I need to be around Henry. And then we saw that, I think, because at the end it does fast forward a, a little bit and you saw that kind of peek into where he's at with his son. So maybe that's the best version of Ted, realizing like, listen, you know what? The best thing I have going for me is back in Kansas. I'm going there. You know what? I think I think Chuck's absolutely right that like central to his character is his need and desire to help other people. And there was that line earlier in the season where somebody said that, you know, the, the problem with Ted is that he he helps other people so much he doesn't leave anything for himself. And I really think that was the growth in, in this episode. Everybody wanted him to stay, but he said, no, he's like, nope, I'm going to go do the thing that's best for me. Uh, and that's going to be with my son and be with my family and, and to go back home and be in America. I think that was, that was his change. He had to be willing to accept that it's okay to take care of yourself too. And so that's, that's what I think his growth was about. That was a tough question. Let me give you guys an easy one. A lot of feel-good moments in the finale. What was the best Gerber cheesy smile moment? The super fans buying Rebecca lunch at the pub? 
Roy asking to join the Diamond Dogs, the players putting the believe sign back together, Ted knowing what an offside penalty is, Colin kissing his boyfriend on the pitch, Rebecca running into Amsterdam man and his daughter at the airport, Keely and Rebecca starting a women's AFC Richmond team, Sam on the Nigerian national team, Ted telling his son to be like a goldfish, (laughs) father and son by Yusef Islam playing at the end, honorable mention, the ref telling the coach from West Ham to put him away after the balls (laughs) fell out of his shorts. (laughs) Chuck, which of those, or if there's any other you think of, were the best Gerber cheesy smile moment? (laughs) I think it's it's the, the believe sign getting put back together. Introduced in season one, always a big storyline, but the fact that every player had a piece of it either on them or uh, in their kits or like Jamie had it in the book that Ted gave him in season one or two. Uh, So there were so many little things about it that you saw how something that you would think at a professional level, and I know it's a TV show, like something like that seems so contrived and stupid, but uh, that one got me, man. Like it meant a whole lot to these guys uh, for them to save it for for two or three seasons and put it all back together, even though they had trouble putting the pieces together <laughs> at first. So am I to believe that you had a you had a cheesy smile for every one of those? You just want me to say yes. which was the best, yeah. <laughs> the best Absolutely. cheesy smile. Yeah. All right, good. I just want to make sure you still have a soul. <laughs> Yeah. uh, So best cheesy smile. uh, Chuck's answer is really good. Knowing you the way I do. I don't know the best cheesy smile without the, I'll remove the believe option from my list. How about uh, maybe Roy joining the diamond dogs? Cause that's like, you know, talk about a group of brothers, right? Like that, that's us, right? That's us. That's, that's someone we know you have it in you. You just won't, you just won't let your, your, your walls down, man. Like you just, you want to be here. You don't want to be here whatever you need to be here. And I love the, the moment when he asked and they're all like, they all stopped what they were doing. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they're searching for cameras. Like, yeah, that's, where I'm at. that's where I'm at. Um, and I, so I don't know, like I, I kind of agree with Chuck. I think your best cheesiest smile was probably with the believe, but I'm going to, I'm going to go Roy is up there in the top two or three, just because of what that meant for that brotherhood. Both really good, both wrong. Uh, Rebecca running into Amsterdam, man, and his daughter at the airport. Uh, the second time I watched it today, uh, when that when that moment happened, I, without any control over my body, raised both hands up in the air. <laughs> I was so happy for her. That was really something that I wanted to happen. Uh, all of those were fantastic. I, I couldn't wipe the grin off my face. The entire time, father and son was like the perfect song perfect. to put at the end. Yeah. Man, that was they could not have done that any better. That was really great. The only storyline that really wasn't resolved is Keely, Roy, and Jamie after the show or after the story ends that we see. What do you think happens with Keely, Roy, and Jamie? I think you got a little more insight that Roy wants to be a better person for her. He said that during the, the Diamond Dog stuff, even though he didn't really say for her. Uh, and then you see him going into counseling. Uh, so he's taking a clinical step to try to be a better person for her. I don't know if it means that they end up together. Uh, and not that there hasn't been growth in Jamie, because there has. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, for but, sure. But Roy's just seems super committed and his mind is made up that he wants to be more to her than than what they were. So for him to take those steps, I'm assuming it works out for them. But 
I don't know. Maybe they all just remain weird friends and there's all that sexual tension between the three of them. We're going to get to it. (laughs) Part of me thought when she very, very sarcastically said, oh, I get to decide between the two of you. Yeah. And then the next scene, she's slamming her front door (laughs) in their face and they're like, yeah, we're idiots. Like, yeah, you are idiots. I, I almost felt like that was symbolic of her kind of closing the door on that chapter. Like, listen, I left Jamie Tart. Roy Kent left me maybe neither one of these guys is really for me and I need to find someone else. So I don't know that she ends up with either one of them. If I had to choose one of those two, I'd be leaning towards Roy because I do think he is again, maybe it has to do with the fact that he's the one that decided to end that relationship, not her. And she'd be willing to to get back into it. I don't know, but total story arc. I kind of think she goes away from both of them. Tammy was pretty certain that she ended up with neither of them. Mm-hmm. that it was it's kind of what Phil's saying that like it was time for her to move on she wasn't going to be there I will say that when they show that final kind of montage of scenes near the end at the barbecue Roy's niece is like sitting on her lap so maybe mm-hmm. that's a sign that they're together but I have a feeling that if she wanted to be with one of them or she was meant to be with one of them or whatever they would have figured it out this episode so I tend to think that going forward Healy has kicked them both to the curb, which means that Roy and Jamie can continue to be best friends. All right. Which spinoff of Ted Lasso are you most interested in watching? First one, the AFC. Richmond team led by Roy, Nate, and Beard. Next one, Higgins Brew, a sitcom about Higgins and his (laughs) wife raising all of their kids. Next one, Thrupple. Come about a committed relationship between Roy, Jamie, and Keeley together. Last one, the Nigerian nightmare. (laughs) Sam turns heel and installs himself (laughs) as a dictator in Nigeria. (laughs) Which one of those spinoffs are you most interested in? (laughs) I I really like the Higgins idea because I think it'd be hilarious. But but most interested in because it's it you let off with it. And I actually I, I thought about it after watching the show. If there's a real spinoff and I would watch it every minute of it, they can continue this. And, and Ted Lasso's not in it. It's just AFC Richmond because of the, the Trinity you mentioned there as coaches, right? You you get to watch Roy Kent, Coach Beard, and Nate run this yeah. team. And really, I mean, it, that could be a really good spinoff. I'd be most interested in that as long as Higgins is still involved, though. If Higgins not involved, I might get I might get pulled towards his, whatever show he's in because that dude's the best. Chuck Chuck was right. He was on yeah. to something seasons ago. Like that guy's the best. Yeah. yeah. Higgins brews, but that one would be called. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I think they're all okay or pretty good. Um, the first one's probably the, the better option here. Uh, if Roy becomes that central character, because it's a little different, he's even if he's working on himself, it's still going to be gruff and cantankerous. And that's where the humor comes from instead of the positivity and lightheartedness. But if I go off script of the stuff you're saying, the one I would watch the most, to be honest, because there's so many options there, would be the female version when they launch the female team. Yeah, I, I You can introduce new characters we love, a new coach that can be completely different or how, however it is. I like that dynamic. And you know, we're all about girl power on this show. I agree. I'm going with Nigerian nightmare. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Scale of one to five. The devastating sadness and tragedy of it all. Being eating a piece of candy while hugging a puppy. How does this finale compare to succession? <laughs> uh, it's a Burke seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, 
you can put it up to succession. It's certainly, uh, yeah, candy, puppy dogs, rainbows, and and whatever you want to add to that list. This is fantastic. Even if you don't compare it to succession, <laughs> I think I think everyone everyone got their happy ending except for Rupert, which in some weird way is a happy ending in and of itself, right? Uh, um, so yeah, five on your scale for sure. Yeah, it's totally a five, and just such a polar opposite from the finale of Succession, where. <laughs> I think we all felt we felt satisfied with both, but in a much different way for Lasso. So I'm saying a five. Yeah, I agree. It's a five. I'm. I actually enjoyed rewatching this, uh, whereas I did not enjoy <laughs> watching Succession. It's it's just too much to handle. Another question for you guys: Look at the scope of the show as a whole. All three seasons was Ted the main character of the show, or was it actually Rebecca all along? That's a really good question to think about. I guess maybe if I take a page out of Ted's book, so to speak, uh, it was never about him, right? He, he wrote it. He wrote it on Trent Crim's uh, manuscript and said, you know, it was never about me. So if you watch the show and the series, I could see that this is basically about Rebecca. She's still there. And and maybe we get that answer in in a subsequent spinoff or something because she's still there. She is still there. She stayed home with her family uh, and Ted is removed. So yeah, I, I could see that argument and buy into that for sure. I don't know if you can tell because I'm in the dark, but I was pumping my fist. <laughs> Chuck. Yeah, I can see your creamy forearms <laughs> in the dark. Oh. Is that what that was? <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Curb's really excited uh, about this question. <laughs> it's a really good theory that the show could truly be about her and not so much him. And he's, he's the Trojan horse or, or he's just there to bring you to her um, because it seems like her growth over three seasons is much bigger than Ted's. Um, so that's a, a wonderful theory that you're probably right on. Maybe the show was more about Rebecca than him. She's the catalyst. She brings him to Richmond. Now for all the wrong reasons, but she grows, develops, her life improves. When they win that game at the end, Keely is saying to her, like, look at what you did. And she's like, oh, I didn't do any of this. But yeah, of course she did. She was the one that brought him there. Um, the show is about the team in Richmond, and he is a character that comes and goes. Like, he came and then he left. But she stays. She's there. And I think the nail in the coffin for me was what he wrote on the manuscript from Krim. It was never about me. Like, okay, so what was this really about? And I think the other central character to the show, and it's about a lot of things, of course, but that other central character was Rebecca, uh, and she was awesome. I, I think maybe she all along was really the main character. All right, it's getting darker, so we got to wrap this up. <laughs> what will you miss the most from the Lasso universe? I guess the show in general... What and hopefully it carries over, and more shows are produced like this. That that shows can be funny, extremely funny, and entertaining, and thought provoking, being sweet and comedic and not negative. Uh, something can be just full of positivity and be completely entertaining. That's probably what I'll miss most about about the series. Character wise, I'll you know like I'll miss Higgins the most, man. Like I, <laughs> you know, he's just. Every time he maximized his minutes, every time he was on camera, uh, that's what I'll, what I'll miss the most. And hopefully you will see some of these characters down the road. But, but ultimately, I'm grateful this show came along when it did because it was in pandemic. 
uh, and allowed me to sit there and, and watch it. But a show that was truly positive and made me feel good uh, and, and made me well up uh, a few times as well. Real life stuff, hard situations, and they handled it very sweetly, uh, which most shows uh, don't do. I know you've got time in the car coming up, Chuck. I don't see any reason why you're not working on the pilot for Higgins Brew with all that downtime. Just something to think about. Wow. What I'm going to miss most. I have never experienced a show that has made me cry as much as this show has and has made me laugh as much as this show has. I've experienced shows that have done a little bit of either or, right? This show, I don't, it, and you know, I'm I'm quick to cry to begin with. We've admitted that on the podcast, and I've proven it many times. But there was something about this, and maybe Chuck's got it nailed. Where it's the it's the positivity, the whatever the underlying theme is. There's something that feel good underlying theme where you get it just tugs at your heartstrings no matter what. The positivity, the sadness, the the weight of some of the real things. I feel like they just really did a great job of balancing all that out. There was never an episode that I only cried or only laughed. It was always both. And the power's back on. Hey, <laughs> there be record. Start over. <laughs> no, <laughs> we can't do that. Is it 445 already? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Consumers is on it, baby. <laughs> so as I was, as I was saying, it, it's, um, it's just the the balance of the 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 heavy stuff, the funny stuff, the silly funny stuff, the sad stuff. It was just amazing. The writing was amazing. These are fictional characters. These are fictional characters that someone wrote their lines for them, right? And there were there were lines uttered in this show that I think I'll put those quotes up against any of the world famous quotes of any human being in the in the span of history. Uh, and, and one, uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give a little, uh, props to Higgins here. Chuck's boy, oh, nice. his, his quote from this, I typed it out as he said it. And I watched the second time. Cause I thought it was awesome. It said, uh, human beings will never be perfect. The best we can do is keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. And that was Leslie Higgins. And one of the best quotes I've ever heard. And it was a fictional character. I love it. I love it. On the side of things about just like the, the sweetness and the positivity of it. Like it almost feels a little bit to me like when Hootie and the Blowfish, their first album came out in the grunge era and we had been listening to grunge for years and here comes Hootie with this like, like kind of innocent, positive, hold my hand and stuff like that. Those types of songs. It's a very similar feel to me. Like there's so much. There's so much great TV that is largely negative. Like we just got done talking <laughs> about it, you know, and this never was. And as a guy who I enjoy a good time far more than anything else, like I'm going to, I'm going to love a show like this um, because it was always a good time. And, and I really liked it. Um, I will, that's what I will miss the most about Lasso is it was just always uh, a really good time. Even if it wasn't a great episode, it was a good time. Fellas, the lights have gone off. The lights have gone on. <laughs> I don't know how long they're going to stay on. So we're going to wrap this up. We are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that in addition to Succession and Lasso, Barry and the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel also ended this summer. With that news, that we probably need to start talking to our families again <laughs> so we can find out what they're watching. I hope you guys have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. 
Absolutely. Not like this, though. What the fuck? Yeah, hey. All right, we roll with it, man. Mackenzie pitched five innings, one hit, no runs, five Ks, and got no run run support. Um, What do you think the most important I got that wrong, right? Did did yeah. McKenzie have ten strikeouts 10, today? Ten Ks in five innings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Somebody's like cutting down a tree <clears throat> next door to me. <laughs> Why not? It's Sunday night. What else would you yeah. do? <laughs> Nine o'clock on a Sunday. <laughs> tree cutting time. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, where's my chainsaw? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> Uh, Nikola jo- Jokic. <clears throat> you know, I just, I just think that uh, I lost track of what the hell I was uh, talking about. Which, uh, oh, the <laughs> series. Who's going to win yeah. this game tonight? Um, Oklahoma versus Stanford. Who you got? Well, now I'm confused. Oh, Oklahoma versus Stanford. Okay, I was thinking Oklahoma State because I'm, I'm like Oklahoma State's playing Tennessee right now, so I was thrown off. All right. Um, yes, you said quick hits. I thought I was supposed to be really quick about it. Not, not just one word. No. Oh no. Uh, yes. While sliders are up fifteen percent from last year, are can are you can. <clears throat> How does this finale compare to succession? <laughs> Who'd you start with? I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> I said Phil. Oh, okay. Somehow uh, I have lost the suit. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know where it's at. I have the other ones, but specifically it's it's black. And I'm like, yeah, yep. probably should yep. wear a black, black yep. suit. It's you know it's a wedding though it's summertime right. you can get away with your your light have, tan do, suit yeah, or your have, seersucker blue, suit whichever one you're have, gonna wear yeah blue but the blue needs to be dry cleaned I missed that dry cleaning window so oh yeah I was yep, banking on the that. black one I have a gray one that's a little too snug on me now so I'm like mm, <laughs> I can always wear you know separates like a jacket and yeah I don't know what I'm gonna do but I just can't I don't know where it's at. We only have two closets in this house that is That's really weird, fitting. man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I think I left it at her parents' house, but they look not there. And I'm like, oh, I'll call my mom. Maybe for some reason, like maybe Nettie's funeral, like maybe that I left it in Cleveland. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not here. Not only is it not there, my mother went through her photos and is like, you're wearing a blue suit <laughs> at the funeral. I'm like, thanks, thanks, thanks mom. Do you, do you have that one, mom? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> do you have any suits, mom? Otherwise, you're no help to me. Yeah, she was like, no, there's nothing like that here. I'm like, Are you sh- can you just go look on the back? No, no not there. And then she just. Is she is your mom still feeding deer oh, by yeah. hand in her backyard? Is that, that's still happening and nothing, happened. nothing dangerous has happened yet? <laughs> nothing. Now she uh, she actually sent she sent me a picture uh, maybe last week. That she had six in the backyard, like in the like the raised area. And she's like, they all or shedding or whatever. I'm like, okay, my, you know, like, oh, right. yeah. But yeah, mostly like the squirrels feeds those all the time. Still a lot of birds, well, everything in that neighborhood eats really well. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's on brand for your mom. 
It is right. Yeah. Feeding yeah. the entire neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why, Danko? I forgot you were there. <laughs> been I've been here for like an hour. You make Jesus go now. Christ. <laughs> so here's here's the thing, Danko. We have to pretend tonight. This applies to you too, Chuck, but oh. a little bit more to Denko. But we have to pretend tonight that it's Sunday and or Monday, whenever we will next record. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind when I like intro. And also, you need to remember to wear that same outfit. I I think I could pull that off. Continuity. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, hey. exactly. Yeah. I... Yeah, I'll just put this T-shirt right back on the top of the heap. Yeah, it's still clean. <laughs> yeah. Didn't wear it long enough to be dirty. Hey, Phil, you don't happen to have Chuck's black suit in one of your closets, <laughs> do you? Can't I find it. I don't think so. I, Did I take it on the trip last year? Do you think I left it? Yeah, no. Did we do something formal on the trip last well, year? Was that in the plans? I don't know. The last time I saw you guys in suits was a funeral, and yeah. I don't think anyone stayed here, so... I think they do that. The Cape Cod League is uh, for like high school, yeah. high school and college kids that are pretty much on the trajectory to make professional baseball. Like they go mm-hmm. play Cape Cod and it's all wood bats yeah. all summer. Yeah. We all saw the Freddie Prince Jr. movie, Phil. We know what it's all about. <laughs> what? I didn't. What movie was that? You didn't see that one? Summer... I think it's called Summer Catch. Summer no. Catch. Oh, I God. Yeah. Oh, man. And well, Jessica you got something Beale. to watch when we're done. Yeah. Jessica yeah. Beale's in it. Yeah, Freddy he randomly Prince gets Jr. this yeah co- contract at the end, and they're like, "Oh, we can be together." It was oh, it was I, so I, great. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know. Like, this is all news to me. Yeah. When did this movie come out? I have no. And idea. you can tell Freddie Prince. I mean, he he's bringing it at least thirty five miles an hour. For, yeah. in real life, and That's then nice. he, you know, the ball the, comes in at ninety some miles. The uh, the baseball action in Summer Catch is <laughs> on the same level as the soccer action in Ted Lasso. Is what I, is how I would describe oh. it. It's it's not it's not great. I thought the <laughs> soccer action in the last episode of Lasso was fantastic. I guess it got better for that episode, but I I think throughout most of the show, the the worst parts of the show were when yeah. they're trying to play soccer. So um, what was this called? Summer catch. Summer yeah. catch. So it's a, it's pretty old. Yeah, oh, it's man. definitely like one. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say it's like college. Right, this is, law this is why I didn't time. see it. I was in grad school. That's yeah. I didn't. Might be the last time we saw Freddie Prince Jr. I, you know, I can't remember what else he's been in. <laughs> oh my God, she's all that. that ever... but I, I think she's all that was predated. <laughs> might have been pre predated pre-dated this one, so. but that yeah. was his breakout role. All right, but then so, it led to Summer Catch. So wait a minute, yeah. as, a rom- as rom-coms go, I have to imagine like Freddie Prince Jr. at that time, Jessica Biel. These were like A-listers, right? Like they're yeah. This was yeah. a big deal. This was a big movie. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a lower rating on Rotten Tomatoes for yes. a movie. Ever. <laughs> well, I mean, it was so bad. The acting was just an, so awful. It got an eight. Yeah. That's out of a hundred. It got an eight. eight wow. Out of 100? That's wow. Out of a hundred. That's harsh. There's some yeah. good yeah. parts to this movie. Yeah. Oh. Man. Yeah, we got a. I got. I got to think. Like in our group of guys, there's really no one that's just like into that right like i don't i can't think anyone that would be like all right i, I got a night to myself I'm yeah gonna go no, to a strip no. Club. no that's the last thing i think of actually is uh 
that's I'm gonna how go can waste I really money waste my money? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I told somebody the story this week about Tursik pulling his contacts out at that strip club <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> like I've had that's, enough of seeing this now. Yeah, that is I'm the equivalency. That is the and then Burke knew the girl at the door. Yeah, yeah, she was from Highland Heights. I, t- I totally. And then I totally embellished this story and, and made it as crazy as possible, even though, you know, he was just basically taking them out and whatever. And I'm like, dude, he's like chucking them. He's, yeah. them. he's all pissed off. <laughs> Your version is how him. I remember right it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that is got to be the equivalency be. of getting an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Tersic chucking his contacts. Yeah. At yeah. yeah. I, I give you an 8. About about twenty minutes before we were supposed to start, um, all of the power in my entire house went out. Oh. Boom! Everything gone. I'm like, what that? Like it was a, like a thunderstorm or something. But we have perfect weather, so there was no storm. That's there was no storm. I have no yeah. idea why it went off. But a truck runs into a transformer or something, right? Well, it's back now, so it couldn't have been that. Um, like somebody like. St- fell down and hit something and they had to plug it back in. Oklahoma beat Stanford 2-0. Florida State's beaten Oklahoma State, but the game is delayed. I wonder if there's oh, a weather issue. That's our team, Chuck. That's right. <laughs> was Stanford my team? I can't remember. I don't remember. I you thought they were because they're, they're playing <laughs> just, all their... I just listened to the show. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. You... <laughs> who did you pick? I think uh, it was Stanford because Emily because they're playing their games during the day. Yeah, you want yeah, you want to pick somebody who was playing during the day. Yeah, maybe it was. Which is really dumb because I picked against Oklahoma. Like, what? Well, <laughs> Way to think that one out, Gerber. Who knows? I thought you told us we couldn't pick Oklahoma. We could not. Yeah. Well, I yeah. picked their opponent, which was dumb uh, since Oklahoma was so good. You didn't go with uh, what was the team that had the girl with the name of the team on the Washington. The oh, Huskies. did I go with the Huskies? No, I don't think I did. Oh, you just chose that for that answer as to what yeah, your story, yeah. your favorite storyline was. Right, I did right. get to watch Emily Young from somewhere between Cincinnati and Dayton. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a hit in that game, the Stanford uh, Oklahoma game. And then the the Peyton girl pitched in that other game, right? Like she came in yeah. to pitch, yeah. yeah, mop up duty, close yeah. it out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do like the uh, advances in eye black. I didn't know that you can now get it in sparkly, glittery oh, really? colors as well. Oh yeah, yeah. The Alabama yeah. girls were in like like crimson, sparkle glitter, like actual painted on, or yeah. was it the stickers painted? No, on. it looked it looked painted. Wow, looked painted. nice. Yeah, that um, that and the excessive cheering oh, are uh, key cheering. to key to softball. And you know yeah. what? Like you hated at first, but. It, God damn, joke is just good at passing. You hated it first, but um, yeah. uh, eventually, like, oh hey, there goes my there goes my power. All right, hey, hey, make sure for Sunday, girl, if you do it in the dark for continuity. That's right. <laughs> do it in the dark on your phone. <laughs> Terrible audio. It'll be perfect. What could be the problem? Oh, that there you go. Better. There it is. What is the deal with this thing? Hold on. It says I'm connected through the AirPods. You can still hear me? Yeah, yes. now we can. Yep. Here we go. Nice. This, my friends, is a 
demonstration of the love I have for Chuck Rambaldo that I Thank do you. not want him to miss his opportunity. I appreciate that. To close out Ted Lasso. So I will be recording in the dark. <laughs> um, and we will just put out an episode where the sound sucks a little bit. Um, but in light of all of that's going on, I would say let's get into this and get it done as quickly as we yeah, can before it. something else happens. I have no idea how much power my phone has right now. <laughs> all right, let's do it. All right, boys, I'm actually going to cut this. This needs to end. Idea. I have no idea what's going to happen. Hopefully we have a show. It'll yeah. be fantastic if yeah, we yeah. do. If we don't, I call um, back Daniel, in. We'll, we'll, we'll run it back on Sunday night. And yeah, Chuck's just I'll, back in. I'll call in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Get that done. All right, fellas. All right, brother, boys. Chuck, travel safe, man. I will. Love yeah, you guys. All right, you bet, love man. you guys. Love right. you guys. Bye. All right, man. All right, guys. Boy, All right, guys. It was fucking awesome. Get yeah, the original crew back yeah. together. That's, That's a good right. Time. All right, boys. Our brothers. Love you guys. Right, love you guys. Love you guys. Talk to you Have soon. a great Have night. Have a good one. All right. See it. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you? <laughs>